Pamajana Trimananda Sya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshurun Militanyina, Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. So good evening, everyone. Tonight we're going to discuss the Sandarbas of Jiva Goswami. We're now studying the Bhagavat Sandarbha. This is our third class, and we're going to begin this evening with the discussion of the second verse. In the first verse, Jiva just gave us a general uh, outline of the material. The whole Bhagavat Sandarbha is basically uh, going to be an elaboration of the Vedanti Tat verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam, so, spoken by Sutta Goswami, Vedanti Tat Tat Vavidas Tatvam Yajjanam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Samjate. So, the second half of the verse, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Subjate, is the essence of this whole explanation in the Bhagavat Sandarbha. So for one half of a sloka, there's going to be over a hundred anuchetas to unpack it so that we can really understand uh, when we talk about Brahman, when we talk about Paramatma, and we talk about Bhagavan, what do we mean? And there's a lot to be said about it, because it's an absolute subject matter. It's the supreme absolute subject matter. Now really, the Bhagavat Samdarbha is going to deal primarily with Brahman and Bhagavan. And Jiva Goswami will explain Paramatma in another anucheta right after this one. Basically, as a continuation of his his explanation of what is Bhagavan. And that explanation is going to be more specific to Bhagavan's relationship through his portion, Paramatma, with what we're familiar with the material manifestation, and what we are part of. We are a manifestation of Paramatma's energy, referred to as Tatasta Shakti. In essence, we are Paramatma, infinitesimal particle, and we don't have all of the qualities. But we have a lot in common. But size matters. <laughs> <laughs> and our size is very small. So Paramatma's size is infinite and ours is infinitesimal. We continue tonight with the second Anacheda. Distinction between Brahman and Bhagavan. In preparing and studying this repeatedly over the last few days, what's really become apparent is the fact that the Acharyas deal with the important philosophical matters of their day. Now, they're applicable throughout time, but their primary focus is with giving the greatest spiritual opportunity to those who they're personally schooling. That's why we find throughout uh, the Sundarbhas this real emphasis by Srila Jiva Goswami 
to point out the distinction between Brahman and the proper conception of Brahman, as relayed in the verse, which is the core of this particular Sandarbha, uh, Brahmati, and the misconceptions about Brahman brought about by another school of thought which was prominent in his social setting at the time. And those were what we call Mayavadis and what can be referred to as radical non-dualists. Radical in that they, the revolutionaries, they've come up with their own interpretation of the Veda because Sankarcharya has led them that way and given them a, a misconception regarding what is Brahman and told them that this conception of Brahman is the all in all. It is the absolute when it comes to understanding what is the supreme absolute. Because of his misinterpretation of the information given in the Vedas and his word jugglery, you can see in the writings of the Goswamis and specifically Jiva Goswami who deals with the technicalities of the various tattvas, Jiva tattva, Shakti tattva. He deals very strongly in his Sandarbhas with conveying to us the proper conception based on the Vedas. Sankaracharya is also using the same Vedas, but he's, he's playing with the words and not giving a proper presentation. He's giving an interpretation. We're not meant to interpret. We're meant to study, and from that study mixed with service to the Vaishnav community, the guru, the deity, those things combined together will give us... A, deeper and deeper Shastra Yukta. It, it will bring out in us the revelation of what's being said. The Guru re reinforced that revelation. Yes, you're understanding correctly. No, you're not understanding correctly. And it's according to time. Like we see today some of the major topics of the day. And we see here again, these topics are are quickly dealt with, but they, they keep raising their heads again and again. So we see in our days, one of the, some of the things that uh, Acharyas are having to deal with is misconceptions regarding the nature of the jiva, uh, specifically uh, inherency, and specifically does the jiva fall? And the jiva was originally. So certain preaching strategies we see some of the current acharyas who are poor now. I'm speaking specifically Bhaktivinoda, Bhaktisiddhanta, Bhaktivedanta. They were dealing with a very, very profound introduction of the philosophy of Krishna consciousness on a worldwide basis, conceived by Bhaktivinoda, executed in India specifically as a like a template by Bhaktisiddhanta and taken throughout the world by Bhaktivedanta. 
The preaching was specific to their time and circumstance and specific to this tremendous revolution that gathered so much momentum that Krishna himself, Nityananda Prabhu, his energy was given fully to Bhaktivedanta. And that's why we, Bhakti Rakshakshitra and others, recognized without this avesh, without this, this introduction of the Shakti of Nityananda, no normal devotee could accomplish what Bhaktivedanta did in such a short amount of time. This is rather extraordinary. So you can imagine the momentum building from Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta, to Bhakti Vedanta, and and then this empowerment to to take it, to take it worldwide, and uh, that empowerment even spilled over into his his young disciples were accomplishing things that would be unheard of for accomplished Vaishnavs from India. Bon Maharaj was sent to, sent to <laughs> sent to Germany, I think, uh, by Bhakti uh, Siddhanta Saraswati. And uh, he accomplished some things, but the same amount or more was accomplished by what we would consider Kanistas going to England, to London, with nothing, with no support. Opening a temple, meeting the, the dignitaries of the land, the, the, cultural, uh, the cultural influence of the time, just walking right in and, yes, introducing themselves and becoming friends and and. and uh, getting support from them, so uh, quite extraordinary. The point I'm making, though, uh, before we get into the, the heart of the text tonight, is we see in Jiva, and we will go over, just to give a proper and full presentation of what he's what he's relayed in the Sundarvas, repeatedly this clarification when it comes to understanding Brahman realization, properly and improperly. And in our day, our Acharyas are dealing with what is the proper way to under, understand the nature of the highest levels of understanding of the, the jiva becoming perfect. And it's, our, it's coming somewhat from our Western culture, I'm of course, we want to know everything. That's all right. But there's also this tendency in the Western world to immediately want to conquer over everything. We're a, we have this passionate nature to conquer over, to be the best in our field. And bhakti is a little different from that. Bhakti is a matter of sincerity and service will lead to perfection, not sincerity and conquest. So we're not going to conquer bhakti with our puny intellect, and we're not going to come to the highest appreciation that Bhakti wants to give to us by thinking too mechanically about it and trying to measure it all. It is, a, in the ultimate issue, we can know a lot, but in the ulti, ultimate, ultimate issue, it is a dokshija. It is incomprehensible. It doesn't mean it can't be revealed to us. There can be revelation. And the, and the Shastra and the Guru and the community of Sadhus is there to reveal all these things to us. We should be careful not to try to, to jump ahead too much. 
Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati uh, coined this phrase, uh, Pujala Raghapantha Gauravagavanye, that uh, our path is, is one of placing those highest, highest subject matters of Krishna's intimate dealings upon our head. We worship that ground. We're not trying to jump into that ground. If we're ever invited in, that will be uh, an extraordinary blessing upon us. And, and to think that we've got a grasp of what is the philosophy when really we're students forever is a little bit of a, a stretch on our part. That's why I'm finding, and I hope I'm able to convey it to some extent in uh, what we're presenting I find it so nourishing to, to really dive into this, these deep explanations of these core understandings that are there in the Bhagavatam, but that Jiva is mining for us. He's pulling these things out and saying, look, did you know this is what Jad Bharat was really saying? Did you realize what he was, what he was speaking? Did you know what uh, all the different narrations what Maitreya was really saying to Vidura when he was talking about this, what was the underlying tattva being disclosed there. We have to be careful not to take this, uh, these deeper understandings uh, for granted. Uh, we really need to make sure that we, we have them. And we note in Jiva's presentation a lot of what we would refer to as a logic of, of pounding the post. He'll take a particular point, a particular autocheta will be presented where he's trying to, to make a strong philosophical point that we need to take to heart, and he just keeps pounding it, keeps pounding the post to make it firm and solid. He goes from every angle of vision, from every angle. He takes us to this understanding from the angle of Shastra, from the angle of logic, from the angle of, of just, just common sense. From every angle he, he presents these points and sometimes it seems repetitive, redundant. So, so much is being presented. There's a reason it's being presented. So we may think we get it, but when we got it every way he gives it to us, then I'd say we get it. Uh, even going through these classes, we're sitting, we're going forward through these books, we could go back and start again, and there would be so much more to be revealed. So the second Nanocheta, he's brought us up, Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. Although absolute truth is addressed by three names, it was not referred to as Jiva. Immediately, this undertone of the jiva is not the absolute truth. The jiva is a potency. It's not all one. Let me just make that point. And what, what do I base it on? I base it on the revelation of Vyasudeva from the, from the Bhagavatam that when he talks about his revelation, he notices the jiva is is separate. It's not Krishna. It's not his. It's not what he perceived as the supreme absolute truth. Otherwise, the verse would be 
Brahm eighty, Paramatma eighty, Jiva eighty, Bhagavan eighty. So the Jiva is not Bhagavan. And he covers, he goes on to say that the sequence of the names is significant and logic, again, a Nyaya Darshan, the Darshan, the, the eye of one of the schools of logic, the vision is that of of logic, sense perception logic. If you remember back to the Tatvas of Dharma, of course we, we take as our ultimate praman, not logic, but Shastra. So the sequence of the names indicates the relative importance from the least to the most. When the absolute truth is defined without distinguishing between the conscious and energetic source and its energies, it is called Brahman by Paramahansas. And when the absolute truth is defined precisely taking into consideration the distinction between the conscious energetic source and its energies, it is known as Bhagavan by the Bhagavat Paramahansas. Then he goes on to fortify these statements by a couple verses from the Bhagavatam. First is a statement made by Jad Bharat from the fifth canto. The absolute truth is pure consciousness and the ultimate of that which is to be attained. It is one devoid of any internal or external divisions. It is eternal and is called Brahman by the Gyanis. The same absolute truth is called Paramatma by the yogis and is situated unperturbed in the heart of every living being and it is called Bhagavan by the devotees while learned scholars call him Vasudev. So these distinctions are there and again remember our discussion last week brought out the significance of seeing that there's no difference between Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. It's a difference in the angle of vision. They're all the one absolute truth. We, as Bhaktas, see these as different aspects of the absolute truth. But the absolute truth is one. And there's these energies and these portions and there is the supreme absolute person. He next quotes another verse, Swayambhuva Manu, speaking to Dhruva Maharaj. By regaining your natural disposition of rendering service unto the supreme Lord, the ground and source of all potencies, Bhagavan, who is the all-powerful reservoir of all bliss, Brahman, and resides in all living beings as Paramatma, you will very soon forget the illusory concepts of I and mine. So in quoting these two slokas from the Bhagavatam, Srila Jiva Goswami is reinforcing the statement which is the basis of the entire presentation. And here we're just at the beginning of the book. So these two verses bring out these three aspects of the Supreme according to the qualification 
of the worshiper. In the commentary, uh, some things are brought out which are important to us. Uh, we notice the use of the terminology Brahman, uh, primarily in the Upanishads and the Vedanta Sutra. In the Smritis, we notice the nomenclature of Paramatma. And in the Itihasas and Puranas, we see more of the use of the word and nomenclature Bhagavan. The Itihasas, the histories, and the Puranas, we notice there more the nomenclature used in referring to the Absolute as Bhagavan, or one of the specific names of Bhagavan. Here, when we talk about Bhagavan, we talk about the Supreme Absolute Truth with all of his potencies. So that vision is primarily that personal vision of the Lord as the a transcendent being full of potencies is basically in the histories and the Puranic portions of the Vedas. Again, never is the jiva, which is a potency, Tatasta Shakti, seen as the absolute truth. So the two types of Paramahansas are there. The Jnani Paramahansa and his main focus is Brahman and the Bhagavat Paramahansa. So the Paramahansa is what? The Paramahansa is the highest stage of the self-realized. If you're familiar with uh, those that take sannyas, uh, there are four stages. Kudichak, Bahuda, Kamsa, and Paramahansa. And after that, then there's Babaji. No concern. Even the formalities of sannyas are no concern. And then after after you have the Babaji, then you have the Avadut. There's, there's no concern at all for even communicating. It becomes formal up to a stage, and then it, then, it, then it goes down to informal, the most informal. If you want our examples of the Gyani Paramahansa, who do we have? We have the Kamaras before they smelled the Tulsi on Krishna's feet. We have Sukadev Goswami before he heard those verses from the Bhagavatam that drew him in. Dattatreya uh, is one that's given here, and Vamadev. Krishna yeah, came. came as, a, as a boy Brahman. Yes. You know, dry, dry the skin, you know. Right. I mean, we even have Krishna coming as Lord Buddha. And he wasn't even following the Veda, but it was Krishna. So Krishna has the purpose for his advent. And when we look to the Bhagavat Paramahansa, who do we have? We have Prahlad Maharaj, Dhruva, Uddhava, all the gopis of Raj. So when we talk about the Jnani Paramahansa, we need to understand the way they think and what distinguishes them from the Bhagavat Paramahansa. Of course, they have no material desire either. But they see the name, form, and qualities when applied to Brahman as is done in the Vedas as dualistic impositions. They see this as an imposition on Brahman. Brahman can have no qualities because they cannot conceive of qualities 
they have no frame of reference and they just cannot conceive of transcendent qualities. They think if it's a quality, then that means it's following in the world of duality. They're not inclined to render service to a personal aspect of the Supreme because they don't think one exists. But the true Brahmavadi does render service under regulation in order to attain his goal. Oh, I met one guy like this when I was in South India. It was like, uh, I mean, he had like a Ekadanda. Right. And, and every evening he would worship Gopal Krishna. But, you know, he was, he was the, you know, like Mayavada. A Brahmavadi. Yeah. Not a, Mayavada, not a Mayavadi. Yeah. A Mayavadi yeah. is not going to worship. Mayavadi is, is not, does not follow the Shastra because he follows the, the Sankara interpretation and the Sankara interpretation thinks all of that is, that's a true Brahmavadi as opposed to the Mayavadi who gives us some interpretation. Now it's interesting, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, there's one verse from the Bhagavatam and I'll look it up before the next class if we can discuss it. It would be good to, to put in the context of this discourse here because he talks about the hook-like mind of the Brahmavadi, that they follow the Shastra, they follow the regulations, and they do fix their mind on, on the personal conception of the Absolute. But their hook does not melt. In other words, they're catching Krishna to attain their, their goal because if you catch Krishna according to the regulations to allow you to attain your goal of realization, you're going to experience his sweetness. And he says, he just, it's hard for Vishwanath to comprehend the fact that after tasting that sweetness, which is the result of following, because they have to have a pinch of devotion, that they can reject. And he says the only reason is the hook. Their heart is made of iron. It's an iron cooked hook that cannot melt because of their conception, their objective. Okay, if they're not getting their conception from Shankaracharya, who yes. are they getting it from? From the Veda. Or just from, the, from their own interpretation? No, no. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavan, Iti, Subjate. There are certain people that cannot conceive. Now we're going over what, how do they, how, what do they conceive? How do they think? So, when they see the name, fame, qualities, characteristics of the Supreme, they they cannot accept spiritual dualism. So they can think, they only think the Supreme, if there's any qualities in the Supreme, we're projecting them on him. So the Shastra is recommending that we do this to Brahman, we project this, and, and you can see it's Krishna giving them a last opportunity. You need a pinch of devotion. 
well, you're going to have to do this. This is part of the regulation to attain. And wow. there's some, and that, and he catches, he caught the Kamaras with the scent of his, the Tulsi offered by his devotees to his lotus feet. He caught Sukadev Goswami through his manifestation as his father, having him hear verse, select verses from the Bhagavatam. Krishna's pretty clever when it comes... So they don't study the Bhagavatam generally? Yeah, not generally, not the Bhagavatam. No, they study the Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra. Yeah. They view, as I said, they view any characteristics as an imposition on spirit. They deny the possibility of the non-dual reality being inherently self-endowed with transcendental characteristics. So they're limiting. They they're limiting the supreme to Brahman. As I said, their main focus is on the Upanishads, it's on the Vedanta Sutra, but they need a mature commentary on the on the on the Vedanta Sutra to take them the rest of the way. That would be the Bhagavatam. The hope of the Vaishnava would be to convince them that this is not their best interest. Don't go into the light. So, Guruji, can you can you explain what is the difference in the goal of Maya bodies and Brahma bodies? The goal is the same, it's but the Maya bodies will never make it because they insult <coughs> Krishna. They insult the Shastra by accepting a false interpretation as presented by Sankaracharya. The goal is the same to merge into Brahman, but the Brahmavadi accepts the authorized process and doesn't give some interpretation to what's presented in the Vedas, but they just cannot conceive beyond what's there regarding Brahman, the non-dualistic absolute. That's as far as they can go. They have no appreciation of the Supreme beyond that. And that's due to their hard heart, ultimately. It's due to their... It's what's... It's, it's desi- yeah, everything is based upon where did they get their spiritual nurture, nourishment, their nurturing. And this is what... This is what was made available, was available to them. But the interesting thing is they need a pinch of devotion. So at some point something else is going to be available to them, but a lot of them are so deeply, deeply immersed in accepting this non-dual supreme concept that they can't, when it's presented some involvement in bhakti to complete the process, they can't look deeply at and a personalized concept to the extent that it draws them out. Now the Mayavadis, the Mayavadis are the followers of Sankaracharya, and they believe that Krishna's form is Maya. The Brahmavadis accept the, that the Supreme Brahman can accept a spiritual form. But in the ultimate issue... It's not the highest concept. 
just like those that aspire for Vaikuntha. Lakshmi, I want to go to Vraj, I want to be, but there's some, her concept is in the way that she serves Narayan. So she just, what I have to get, I can't divorce my husband, <laughs> take another husband, and then run off in the night from that husband to be with Krishna. I can't do all these. So steeped is she in what? Well, we call it Vaidhi Bhakti. I have to follow this this Dharma. The residents of Vraj, they're also following their Dharma, but for Krishna, they'll throw Dharma out the window. For Krishna, who has a headache, they'll go to hell. Also, the resident, the, those people, when you look, you go to the to the uh, to the people that are that are worshippers of Lakshmi Narayan. What is their concept? They're fixed in that. And what is Krishna? Simply an avatar of Vishnu. An avatar of Narayan. They cannot see him in any other way. It's just not... It's The possibility doesn't come. Yeah, no. Krishna's not the ultimate. Narayan's the ultimate. Krishna's simply a manifestation. The incarnation... Brahman is the ultimate for the Brahmavadis. Brahman is the ultimate. And a supreme Narayan, Vishnu, Krishna, uh, that accepts worship is simply something that the Veda is putting forth to us so that we can render some service to Brahman and ultimately merge into it. So there's a different vision there. So do they think that by that rendering of service, that it's an act of purification for them? It's an act. It's it's an act, yes. It's an act of purification. It's a completion completion process to all the study that they've done for lifetimes of Gyan, learning about the nature of their being, and what they what was their ultimate conclusion? Tatwamasi, I'm it. I've studied all this, and what what conclusion did I come to? It's me. I am that supreme. You're Narayan, I'm Narayan, we're all Narayan. That's the way they think. The Mayavadis, they, they also think that way, but they don't follow the authorized process. They follow Sankaracharya's interpretation. No internal specificity with their conception of the Absolute. Krishna doesn't have anything. It's just Brahman. doesn't have any characteristics. A nice example is given. Imagine that we go to a concert and a virtuoso performance. So in the audience people are going to have different appreciation for what they hear based on what? Their knowledge of music. If you know what's involved in writing a composition like a Mozart, Beethoven, 
if you know what's involved in that kind of creative music composition and performance, if you're familiar, if you're well-schooled, how much greater is your appreciation for that concert than the appreciation of someone who's simply coming in from working as a contractor his whole life, never even took a music class. We appreciate according to our qualification. What's the study of the Sundarbas and all this that Jeeva's giving, giving us? What is it for? To deepen our knowledge, our sambandagyan, so that what? So that we can appreciate when somebody says Bhagavan, when somebody says Krishna, immediately our mind fills with all this transcendent thought. How can it not? When so, what's Bhagavan? Oh, Bhagavan has six characteristics. Beauty, wealth, fame, knowledge, renunciation. He's a, and he has this aspect and that aspect. I could go on for days and I just, I'm just a neophyte here. I hardly know anything. But when you say Krishna, when you say Bhagavan, I, I fill with all this knowledge. When you take me to a concert, if I'm well-schooled in music, my appreciation and the appreciation of the contractor sitting next to me is, is night and day practically. So similarly, the appreciation of this absolute truth is different according to the qualification. And that's exactly what the verse, which is the core, says to us. Brahmaiti, Paramatmaiti, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate. Different names for the same absolute. And what's the difference on this transcendent level? When we understand what's really there? Well, we can understand sitting in the audience, hearing the music and having deep appreciation. A tear could come to the to the listener's ear if he is well-schooled. Oh my gosh, how did they put that, how did the composer put the phrasing together and the, the master violin player put his heart in playing it in such a way that he brought out the full measure that was there in the composer's mind and a tear could come to the audience's eye. The contractor some noise up there, huh? So it's like a difference. So similarly, uh, Rupa Goswami points out in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu the difference between the appreciation of the supreme absolute truth, we say personality of Godhead, between the Brahmavadi and the Bhakta is even the bliss of Brahman realization if it was to be multiplied millions of times, it could not compare to a drop of the blissful ocean of bhakti. Millions of times wouldn't. You have an ocean of bhakti, you have a drop from it. But take one millionth particle of it, and that's Brahman realization. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be well-schooled in the Veda and have the personal concept that Jeeva's giving us based on the mature commentary of 
of Srila Vyasadeva? Are you simply willing to accept Tatvamasi and that's all you need for your spiritual life? Tatvamasi, perform austerities and don't engage in anything material and attain Brahman. The choice is yours. So choose wisely. Are there any questions? Thank you for your association. Adibo.